Hi there. Thank you for joining us on the Redeemer Church podcast. Here at Redeemer, we exist to see Christ exalted in our church, community, and world. It is our mission to lead people into the presence of God, devotion to His Word, authentic fellowship with others, and discovering their ministry. We hope that this podcast is just one of the ways you connect to God's presence this week. Let's check out this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to be with you today and great to be with a lot of you right now online, wherever you are hiding from these bone-chilling temperatures. I hope you're staying warm and we're just grateful that you're with us, uh, worshiping from many different locations right now or on demand. And uh, I just want to say to the Manley family, thank you for letting us share in that moment. That was tremendous. Uh, I'm so proud of our children's ministry and I know that your child and all of our children are in wonderful capable hands. Let me uh, make you aware of a new ministry that has been kicked off here at Redeemer that I'm really, really happy about, really excited about, and I want to say thanks to Pastor David Nunn, our care pastor, wherever he may be, uh, as he's the one that has developed the idea and recruited this team. Uh, But every single worship service, we have a prayer team in our prayer room now praying for you. Praying, They're praying right now for you, for your heart to be open and receptive to the gospel, to God's word today, that you would engage and experience and enjoy the presence of God. Um, They are also there and ready and available. And I realize, by the way, some of you just went, we have a prayer room? Yes. (laughs) Right out these doors on my left, your right, and you'll hang a left, and it's the first door on your left. There it is right there. Um, but this space is also available to you to swing by after service if you would like someone to pray with you, to pray for you. Uh, if you have questions about salvation, questions about scripture, questions about baptism, any questions at all, uh, please swing by and meet with that prayer team. They are ready and available and excited to meet with you. And also, if you have uh, um, If you want to take communion with your family, if you don't own a Bible, we have free Bibles available in the prayer room for you to take home today as well. Um, Just visit this space to pray in solitude if you want or pray with your family. But this is a space for you, and I hope that you'll take advantage of it. Thank you so much, Pastor Nunn, and also to all of those who are on the prayer team now uh, each week in the prayer room. Let me begin by telling you something a little strange about myself. For many, many years, I have had this desire, and I I could try to explain it to you, but I won't. Um, I've had this desire to pet a live rhinoceros. I I, I can't really explain it thoroughly, but back in September, I posted this on Facebook. Keep your laughter to a minimum, but I'm looking to cross another item off of my bucket list. I would like to pet a live rhinoceros. Emoji. Uh, Anyone got any leads on where I could do this? I've seen plenty on African safaris, and I've been to Africa many times, and I love jumping in a Jeep and, and, and going out and seeing animals, but I've always stayed in the Jeep because of, you know, and the lions and giraffes and, and uh, elephants, that's a buffalo. I'm double scared of the leopard. And then that's a mamba. And then I tag all these zoos because I'm thinking somebody's going to pick up on this bizarre desire that I have 
uh, you know, I even put San Francisco, Houston, Denver, somebody, I want somebody to see this and call me and give me access to a rhinoceros. Well, so one of my friends posts a comment, says, call me. I called him immediately. I'm like, hey, what's going on? He goes, I, I think I can get you to pet a rhino. So he says his company was just hired to film a commercial for the Oklahoma City Zoo, a live animal encounter. And do you know what animal he was wanting to film a live encounter with for a commercial for television? A rhino. And I said, yes, I'm your guy. And so my family was the cast for this commercial for TV. And I got to go and and feed a rhinoceros and pet it. Has anybody here ever pet a rhino before? Hmm, looks like I'm just one of the few. Um, Does somebody back here raise your hand? It's it's a real wonderful experience. Um, So we filmed this commercial, and not too long ago, my friend sends me this link, hey, the commercial's done, and I go online, and I'm watching this commercial, and I'm watching, and then I just keep watching and watching. And I get to the end of like 30-something seconds of this commercial of a live rhino encounter, and I didn't make the commercial. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, it was a fantastic day at the zoo. It was a wonderful experience for our family. Um, But I called him. I said, hey, (laughs) couldn't help but notice, uh, you know, I I was there and, and did the whole video shoot, but I'm not on the commercial. And he says to me, Adam... Um, your role all along was just a supporting actor. Great. So I got to pet my rhino, but I'm not going to be on the commercial. My wife made it, and so did my son, but not me. I share this story with you because I have a question for you today. And as your pastor, I love you As your pastor, I love praying for you. I love serving you. I love encouraging you. But today I know that another role I play in your life is to challenge you. And so I have a challenging question for you today. Have you turned God into nothing more than a supporting actor in your life? If life was one Big commercial. Are you the star of this commercial and God is playing his role as your supporting actor? The Bible makes it very, very clear. As you read the Bible, you cannot mistake this. What our role is in relation to God's role. The existence of God, the meta narrative of God's story from creation to salvation, to the church, to the life that is to come, eternal life. Every single bit of God's story, he and his glory are at the very center. Scripture reiterates this over and over again. As I read these verses about God's glory, I want to try something with you today. I did not do this in the first service, so consider yourself blessed and highly favored. But our preaching team would love you to interact more with us as we preach. This should not so much be a presentation every week, but 
an exchange, an interaction between you and us and God. So um, some of you want to say amen occasionally as we preach, but you're afraid to for some reason. I'm going to give you a lot of practice right now. So after I read every single verse, I just want you to say amen. Those of you that are super spiritual can say it loud. Hopefully the room is loud. Are you ready? Okay. Amen. It means let it be so, right? I believe this. This is what I want to in my heart. God, there's first one. So this is practice. God created us for his glory, Isaiah 43. God called Israel for his glory, Isaiah 49. God rescued Israel from captivity for his glory, Psalm 106. God defeated Pharaoh at the Red Sea to show his glory, Exodus 14. God spared Israel in the wilderness for the glory of his name, Ezekiel 20. Now, don't get quiet. We're like six in. Stay with me. I've got a lot more. Stay with me. God gave Israel victory in Canaan for the glory of his name, 2 Samuel 7. God saved Jerusalem from attack for the glory of his name, 2 Kings 19. God restored Israel from exile for the glory of his name, Ezekiel 36. Jesus sought the glory of the Father in all that he did, John 7. Jesus told us to do good works so that God will be glorified, Matthew 5. Jesus said that he answers our prayers so that God would be glorified, John 14. Everybody okay? Amen? Let's keep going. Jesus endured his final hours of suffering for the glory of God, John 12. God chose his people for his glory, Ephesians 1. Jesus receives us into his fellowship for the glory of God, Romans 15. God instructs us to do everything for his glory, and we'll come back to that, 1 Corinthians 10. Jesus fills us with fruits of righteousness for God's glory, Philippians 1. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3. Jesus desires that you and I see his glory and enjoy his glory, John 17. Y'all better be really loud on this one. Jesus is coming again for the glory of God, 2 Thessalonians 1. And from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Romans 11. Amen. Amen. So, does this sound like the script of a supporting actor? Or does this sound like the lead role in the great story of creation? It is good for us to understand as best as we can and good for us to acknowledge the predominant emphasis of God's glory. A working definition of glory would be a good thing as well. So let me attempt to define glory, although I admit that no definition could ever perfectly describe the glory of God. Here's what we'll work with. The glory of God is the public display of his infinite power, beauty, holiness, and worth. The glory of God is the public display of his infinite power and beauty, 
and holiness and worth. There are two primary ways where I see the glory of God on display in that. And one is creation. You. God's creation. And the second is our salvation. First, creation. Isaiah 43 tells us we are created for God's glory. Yes, we're called to do many other things. We accomplish many things, right? But we're created for God's glory. We're created to display his infinite power and beauty and holiness and worth with our lives, with our words, with our actions, with our decisions, with our perspectives, with our, hold on, I'm going to preach to myself for a second, with our attitudes. Okay, I'm going to come back to you. With our perspectives, with our ambitions, we're called to put the glory of God on display in all of our lives. But get this, please hear this loud and clear, and it's on the screens for you today. God created us for his glory, not to make himself more glorious. You following me here? God created us for his glory, but not to make himself more glorious. He obviously possesses this exclusive power to create, and that's a glorious thing, but he didn't create us to become more glorious. I'll illustrate this. Son, can I have a basketball, please? Come here. Thanks. I'm going to illustrate this with a sports analogy because I was an athlete once. This is... What? (laughs) Son, don't amen that. Don't make me tell the church to score. Oh, it was Vic. Never mind. Um, this, This is going to be very profound. Are you ready? This is a basketball. Amen. <laughs> what was this basketball created to do? You can shout answers at me. Come on. Shout them all. Okay, I heard a lot of answers. And you're all right because you're a very smart church. I'm going to go with the following answer regarding this basketball. This basketball in my hands was created to bounce. Let me ask you this question. Was this basketball at one point on a shelf for sale, hoping that someone would come along and purchase it, take it home, and bounce it so that it could finally become a basketball? It's not a trick question. No. The ball was never waiting for someone to purchase it, take it home, and bounce it so it could say, finally, I'm doing what I've been made to do. I'm a basketball, and I'm bouncing. This is going to relate to my sermon at some point, I promise. Listen, bouncing this basketball does not make this more of a basketball. This is a basketball. It's a basketball on the shelf, whether you choose to buy it and bounce it or not. God is glorious whether we glorify him or not. 
God is not waiting on his throne to reach his potential today. And that's built on and dependent on whether or not you and I glorify him. God is glorious because God is God. When you glorify God and when I glorify God, listen, we're not increasing God in any way. He is God and he is glorious and he is worthy of glory, whether or not his creation plays the part that we're meant to play and glorify him. The fact that God has always been glorious, the fact that God is glory, with or without us, should really humble us today. We are created for God's glory. We're also saved for God's glory. Now, this may go against how you originally heard the gospel. You're a bad person, and you need a Savior. And God's plan of salvation and redemption is all about you. No, it's not. Um, Yes, you are a recipient of salvation, and you benefit from salvation, but our salvation is for God's glory. Ephesians 1, let us praise God for his glorious grace. Listen, I've heard, I've heard that God's glory is like Mount Everest, but grace is its peak. Let us praise God for his glorious grace, for the free gift that he gave us in his dear son. For by the blood of Christ we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. How great is the grace of God, which he gave to us in such large measure. Glorious grace. I see in scripture an unbreakable connection between the glory of God, the glory of Christ Jesus, the glory of his grace, the glory of the cross. But if I were to take a poll in the church today, and not this church, because y'all are, again, so smart, you'd have all the right answers, but if I were to take a poll among Christ followers today, and I ask them this question, what is your salvation? I would probably hear some answers like, I have been delivered from my sin. I have been set free from condemnation. I have been rescued from my depravity. I have been forgiven for my trespasses. Yes, all of these are certainly true features involved with our salvation through Christ alone. We are delivered. We're set free. We're rescued. We're forgiven. These are all true. But listen here. Salvation is not just all about the reversal of sin. Salvation is about the revelation of God's glory. It's not just about taking all the bad out of our lives, but it's about placing the glory of God in. It's not just the reversal. It's the revelation. Once we become saved and receive that right, as we read in John 1, that right to be a son, that right to be a daughter of God, we are being revealed to God's glory the glory of his love and his grace and his mercy finding us 
welcoming us into his family and embracing us. So again, to recap, Scripture serves us. I don't know if you're hungry today. Our students had the big, what's it called? The big feast today. Um, I, we weren't invited, but um, I don't know if you're hungry. I, there's two slices of humble pie right here when it comes to the glory of God. Number one, you did not create yourself. You didn't. God pursued you by creating you, and he is glorified by his creation. Here's the second slice of humble pie. You did not save yourself. God pursued you with his gift of salvation, and he's glorified. He's glorified through salvation. Now, it's possible that God created, I don't know how old you are, God created you 50 or so years ago, and maybe you were saved 10 years ago, so you've been walking with Jesus for a decade, and creation and salvation can kind of feel like a date on a calendar. There was a moment of creation, and then the moment that I had that seed of faith deposited in my heart, and I, I'm a Christ follower, I'm, I've been given this gift of salvation. So what do we do with today? What do we do with tomorrow in relation to the glory of God? I'm glad you asked. 1 Corinthians 10.31 tells us. Whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I'm going to get to context in just a minute. But at first glance, it might seem strange to imagine glorifying God simply by leaving church today and consuming lunch, right? You're going to go sit down, you're going to look at your kids, Hudson, you need to glorify God with that bite, right? Whatever you eat or whatever you drink, glorify God. I dare you to think that way moving forward, truly. Imagine for a moment if God created you without taste buds. Imagine. Imagine if God created us without taste buds and all we consumed calories for was for our nutrition. This is a life without the flavor of bacon or raspberries or lobster that's been soaking in hot butter. I digress. Truly, think about your meal today and eating it for the glory of God. He created these flavors. Glorify him. Okay, now let's get to context. When you look at this verse in the wider context, we discover something quite relevant for the church today. Paul wrote this to the Corinthians. Food was a major issue of Christian liberty in the early church. Most of these first century Christians had backgrounds in pagan idol worship. Idol worship at this time was culturally inescapable. And most of the meat that was sold in the markets had been ritually offered to idols. Now, according to these new Christians, no idol is real and there is no God but one. That's 1 Corinthians 8, 4. So these Christians had no problem picking up some meat on the way home and cooking it for them and their neighbors. And Paul agreed. There is no real idol and there's only one God. So what's the big problem with this meat? Well, Paul did not agree on how they were exercising this newfound freedom in their kitchens. Because at risk, at every meal that this early Christian church prepared, social customs and family traditions and friendship groups and employment 
and social status, all of these things were at risk. Paul's greatest concern, though, was about the gospel witness among non-Christians. So what would a pagan think if they had a friend that converted to Christianity, and then they watched that friend go by the market and pick up meat every single night for dinner that had been ritually offered to idols? Well, the friend may think, what's the big deal about Jesus? That person converted to Christ, but their lifestyle hasn't changed. So it's not so much about the little piece of meat that Paul's talking about. It's about the bigger picture behind that meal. See, Paul's whole orientation in life was to win as many people as possible to the gospel. So he wrote, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, guys, whatever you do, church, do it all for the glory of God. Which means for you and I today that in order to glorify God, we have to be willing and we have to be prepared at all times to lay down our personal rights and our personal freedoms for the sake of the gospel. So what you place in your shopping cart today or what you put on the grill tonight may not feel like some massive spiritual issue to you today. But here's what I want you to think about because like the Corinthians... We have our own cultural idols that we have to deal with. And we have non-Christian friends who are watching us at all times. So in our context, here's a verse that I'll leave you, and it's a paraphrase from Corinthians. I've changed it to Oklahomans. Oklahomans 1031. Whether you blank or blank, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do tomorrow? Where are you going to go? Who are you going to be with? What presentation do you have? What interview do you have? Who are you interacting with? Whether you blank or blank, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Whatever you do, return it to him as an expression of worship, as an expression of glory. Glorifying God is not something that we prioritize as Christians for a little bit of time in one specific place. Glorifying God should be our aim in every arena of this life. We pray with me. Lord, we admit today that glorifying you is a concept so huge we can hardly comprehend it. But as best as we know how with the little that we do know, God, Be glorified. May we put on public display your infinite power, beauty, holiness, and worth. You are no supporting actor in our lives. You are worthy of all of the glory. Just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you take a moment? Just you and the Holy Spirit. There's no condemnation here. There's no shame. There's no shame. But simply submit in prayer to the Lord. God, where's an area of my life that I've made you a supporting actor to my story? And just take a moment. Step aside. Submit to him. Welcome him into that place. That relationship that fear, whatever it is.
And instead of making it about you, tell him you want him to be glorified there. As you've heard God's word, and as you've prayed, now let's respond to his word. Let's respond to his presence by worshiping him. Would you stand to your feet? Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church Podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.